0: Day on Codepen Radio. All right, this is uh Code Pen Radio number three hundred and eighty-eight. I have with me here Robert from Team Code Pen. Hey Robert. Hey Chris, good to be back. Yeah, be back on the show. Um, Yeah, it's been a while since we've had you on, but you're a good, you're a great podcast guest because you have plenty to say about things. You've been doing tons of different work at CodePen since I last talked to you, and we just picked one out of a hat, really. There's all kinds of things we could talk about, but recently we've been exploring some more of um, of Cloudflare's offerings and there's one of them in particular called durable objects that we'll talk about in this show um that we are we are eyeballing up in uh in heavy ways and plan to use in production although are not yet so we can't uh we can't say guaranteed this is the the best thing but it's it's looking pretty good so i thought you know, nobody knows more about them on our team than, than Robert does. So let's do this. What the heck is a durable object, Robert?
1: Yeah, well, so um, i have actually been I've been looking forward to talking about these because they're um, they're a really interesting technology, especially for me in the context of stuff I've worked on in the past. Boy, I'm going to do a terrible job of, of describing Cloudflare technology because I'm sure they do it much better. But durable object is basically <laughs> is basically a um, it's a a pattern for for maintaining um, shared state across lots of clients at you know at the at the edge of the network you know where we're sort of I think Cloudflare really specializes with their you know the, the developer offering offerings that they've been putting forth.
0: So is the whole point <clears throat> real time connectivity of sorts? Like you wouldn't use this if you
1: didn't need any aspect of real timeness. I don't know. I'm. That's actually a great question, um, and it's certainly in the context of what we've been using them for, which is really collaboration. Um, I think that's you know that's a fair statement, but I I wouldn't restrict it to just that. I'm sure there's other applications out there where you know where you have workers, you know, cloudflare workers, which are functions that run at the edge, but you want to coordinate state between between those workers and uh, rather, between a a set of clients out there and and a more persistent mech- mechanism like the like the key value store that they offer doesn't quite um, doesn't quite meet your needs. It's the bill, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, you mentioned workers, which we can't avoid here because I think I had this screwed up in my head for a while. Is that it's not like these things are. They're hierarchical in a way. I can't just talk to a durable object. I have to have a worker talk
1: to a durable object. Exactly, yeah. So a a durable object is a resource that you would take advantage of in your worker. So uh, you know, so you have, you have your you have your worker functions out at the edge, and I don't know how deep we want to go, you know, for for our listeners. But well, this is the very fu-
0: quickest way of of doing a worker. It's like not only is it a cloud function, but it it's like a cloud function that intercepts a request, which is a little unique, right? You don't have to call it; it just is in the way of a request.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a JavaScript function that lives out on the cloud and that's really triggered. Most of the time, by uh, a, a, an HTTP request that comes in from somebody, somebody's client, you know. There's other ways of triggering them, but that's really the first order. So, you, so you have these functions that are really sitting out there, designed to respond to HTTP requests. If you've got multiple clients that all want to that all want to collaborate and um, and work together, well, like the KB store is really it's really a data store. What, what one of the things that distinguishes a a, dis, a durable object from uh, from a, a worker or the KV store, is that you're actually running code that 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 really sort of maintains this state for you. So, you know, the great and classic example of, uh, of an app where you would use this is a chat application. So you could have lots of clients out there all connecting to Cloudflare's you know Cloudflare's edge edge infrastructure, and you want them to to talk to each other. Well. A KV store is really is literally just a key value store, um, and you could have a worker function, but but that those worker functions are sort of coordinating through the KV store, which is this. Uh, how do the, how it does doesn't it?
0: doesn't feel very natural, does it? Like, what would each would each chat message be an individual KV pair or something? Like, I don't know, maybe, but
1: that doesn't feel very good. It's a little you know square peggy round holeish, you know. Um, so what you do instead is you, you basically have your worker connect to a durable object, which is shared across all the clients. Um, and then that durable object is a chunk of JS code that you provide. So you're now effectively running JS code right on top of the state you want to ma- manage because, you know, by the name, it's a durable object. So it's an, it's an object much like an instance of a class. It actually is an instance of a class. I mean, that's what you're writing is a class that gets instantiated, and, and now you have an object that's out there in the wild. And I think and one of the things that really and I'll just I'll sort of ramble on here, but one of the things that I, I find really exciting about these uh, is that they solve a, a really nasty problem in uh, in software architecture, which is how do you scale connectivity and state like out at the out at the edge across lots and lots of clients. Um, you know, one of the, one of the projects I did early on in my career was I worked on the AOL instant messenger team. Um, and, we all remember that. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, and there was this, you know, there was this sort of, uh, this story that went around the, you know, around about how AOL, like trying to scale the instant messenger platform had like a guy that they'd hired whose job was to write the network interface driver. So they could support sixty thousand users connecting to one server out on the edge, and then they had a farm of these servers. But God forbid the server that you as a user happened to connect to went down; like you'd be offline, and that was one of you know that was one of the 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 hallmarks of the well instant messenger system was you'd have these waves of of disconnection that would go through when one of the servers went down. Um, And that just doesn't happen anymore. And and with Cloudflare, like you know, with durable objects, you can write a durable object that's a chat client and put or rather a chat server and push it out there you know in like half an hour and and you don't have to worry about scale it's-
0: so to put a point on this chat thing though like you there's not just one durable object that is robert's chat app it would probably be like one durable object per chat room, right? Like, so me and you are going to chat. We'd make a URL called, you know, robertschathouse.com slash one, two, three, four, five. And one, two, three, four, five would somehow map to the durable object. I mean, that's one way you could architect it such that the storage and chattiness is scoped to just the people at that
1: URL, Maybe, right? Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, so when I mean when you when you when you access a durable object you basically use an identifier and like and that mapping of like what you're mapping from to get a durable object is sort of up to you. You know, like in our case it would be we well, let's we need a durable object for Robert and Chris's chat room. And so we would go we would get one of those. Um and that lives out, you know, and that, and that lives in the the infrastructure. Um, and the cloud infrastructure, which is which is interesting in its own right.
0: Equinix Metal's Startup Partner Program helps early stage companies level up. Their experts work with startups like Cord and Invisive to build their competitive edge with infrastructure. Equinix Metal provides real time guidance and support to help startups grow faster. With up to $100,000 in infrastructure credit, access to Equinix's global ecosystem of over 10,000 customers, and 1,800 networks, they might just be what you need to take your startup global. Visit metal.equinix.com slash startups to take your startup to the next level. I do have another just interesting question about this that <laughs> this it's always like almost like tech therapy for me. Like I need to understand this tech better. So let's do a podcast about it you could have a worker respond to a url and that it doesn't the worker isn't like injecting javascript like the worker could just like i don't know do nothing or manipulate one little piece of html before it gets to the browser or anything so then it does get to the browser that page might not have any javascript on it at all you know like hot the how do I say I want some real-time action here? Is that does the does the worker respond with like, hey, if you want to connect to the WebSocket or whatever in which to have real-time communication with this, you should probably put this script on your page too. Like, how does the client-side
1: JavaScript aspect of it work? Well, the thing about workers is that you're kind of writing a little mini server that sits out at the edge of out at the edge of your system. So a worker is, you know, it, it provides a, you know, a, a URL that your clients can connect to. Um, and what it does at that point is really up to it. But you're, I mean, you're making a fetch request from the browser if you want to sort of, a, if you want to get like, like a standard HTTP request that this worker does. Um, but if you want to do something real time, then you have to create a WebSocket. Like really, that's kind of where, that's the go-to for real-time communication is. Instead of doing a fetch and the URL, you'd, you'd create, you create know, a new webSocket and give it a URL. and that request goes to a worker. but then when the worker gets that request, it actually creates um, it creates a web well, it basically creates its own webSocket uh, handler on the server. Um, I'm, I'm sort of hesitating a little bit, just because the the code for that's kind of going through my head, and and it's a little interesting because it's like Cloudflare has their own way of of supporting WebSocket connections.
0: Okay, so there it is a WebSocket then that is the technology they yeah, recommend well, using so. to yeah. And again, it's so in this case it's to the worker, not the durable object, because the durable object is just a piece of technology that's attached well, to the worker
1: yes and no i mean behind the scenes what happens is you you know when you when your browser makes that websocket request it it lands in the worker and the worker's like oh i've got a you know i've got a, a request here and it can either create its own websocket handle so you can have a worker that 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 handles websockets directly but in the case of a durable durable object what you would do is actually pass control to the durable object and and have it handle the WebSocket at that point. So you can you can terminate WebSockets either in directly in your worker or in the durable object code itself. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean what so one of the things that I that for me was a bit of a um there has helped me to understand this is to sort of keep in mind that that workers and durable objects are really designed for for working in this global network uh, infrastructure that Cloudflare has, and that anytime you have a worker or a durable object, like it has to, it has to exist at some data center somewhere. So you know, Chris, you're in, you're in. Well, you're in Bend here, along beside me. So we're talking to the same data center. But you know, if, like if our, you know, if if Rachel were were on this call, she's on the Sunshine Coast of Australia. Like when she connects to. Our collaboration session or our chat session, like she's talking to a different data center on the other side of the world. Um, And, you know, and the worker function that she talks to is, you know, is somewhere in Australia, whereas ours is probably in Seattle or Portland or somewhere. And
0: but durable objects are different, right? You're saying that those don't the workers are edged out, but durable objects kind of aren't.
1: Exactly. So so you know if if, uh, if you and I or if Rachel and and you and I all hit all hit the same worker URL, like we're all talking to different different worker instances that are handling that. But if that worker that we set up needs to talk to a durable object, then when you and I and Rachel all connect to the worker that are are separate workers, those workers all connect to the same durable object and um, in one data center somewhere, like on one server and one data center.
0: Which is, but at least it's doing that last hop on Cloudflare's network, not like your Wi-Fi or whatever, you know, like, I don't know.
1: Right, right. I mean, so... I've actually run, you know I've actually run a couple little tests on the responsiveness and um, you know so and and when a worker or rather when a durable object you know is created in for example the Seattle data center or Portland I forget which one it is like if you know the worst case is if Rachel's on the sunshine coast of Australia is connecting to that same durable object in Portland there's like a 250 to 300 millisecond latency in there I mean it's not great but it's not terrible mm-hmm. you're not going to be running, you're not going to be running real time video games through this, but for a chat app, it's fine. Yeah, And if that
0: chat app had no, yeah, right. Cause who cares? It could even take three seconds for a message to arrive and you'd be like, nobody would care. The, yeah. I mean, maybe that's an exaggeration, but it won't be that long anyway. Let's say you also don't care about logs, you know, like you come back into room one, two, three, four, five and you, you expect the expectations of your app you've built up is that it's a blank nothing and that only when somebody else arrives and you're both there at the same time and you send messages back and forth, that's when things show up on the screen. That's a <laughs> That makes this really easy, right? Because I'd send a message that says, hi, Robert, it goes to the sky, it comes down to your machine and it says, hi, Robert, on there. You know, it sounds weird in a chat app because we're so used to like opening slack or discord or something and seeing the the history of it there and in that case surely there's some data store in the world that's being populated with this. but you don't have to store data right
1: no i mean this is it's it's a javascript object like you could have like simplest case you just have a little array you know you know chat you know chat room dot you know dot history and make that an array and just anytime a message comes in you stuff stick it in there and if somebody else connects to the room like it's still in memory like it's an it's an object that persists that all of your all your workers are talking to so you know and now that object may go away at some point and you'd lose that history but well
0: that's what yeah in my little architecture it doesn't who cares if the durable object dies cuz you're there, there's no expectation of history Right, but as soon as there is an expectation of history, then you have to just start architecting in a different way, right? Like you'd get some history from a persistent object, but not forever. So
1: there is a um, uh, there is a persistent data store API available to durable objects. So you can you can stick data in in a persistent persistent data store from your durable object and still have access to it. Uh, I forget the name of that uh, that store off the top of my head. Um, oh but that's it's cool. Little... So
0: they've anticipated this and they say like, "Oh, if you need longer term storage for this thing, don't expect the dur- the exact durable object to hang around forever, but when it gets spun up again, it can access this storage thing." Yeah, you know, that's pretty clever actually.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now the trick is, and I haven't I haven't really got the answer to this yet, but the trick is knowing like when to put stuff in there because if you don't want to do that on every keystroke or every message, um just because, you know, persistent data stores tend to be a little bit you know lower latency and more expensive or higher latency <laughs> um it'd be nice to know when your durable object's going to go away so like okay well I've, I've got all these this message history and memory let me just stuff that in the persistent store and, and pull it back later
0: yeah or even have that be part of the class like a on before unmount store all your crap
1: right and and this sort of gets back to that notion that like you've got to keep in mind that this is this This technology is designed to live in data centers at the edge, and one of the problems is that um, just the way these things are set up, it's really it's hard to know when they're going to die. And so, Cloudflare doesn't actually offer a "Hey, this object is about to go away" uh, event. (laughs) So, it's one of the things that, like, that I you know personally, I have yet to have to I have to kind of wrap my head around. It's like, all right, what's the right model for for really managing? state that you really want to have stick around
0: yeah right hmm i don't know part of me is like well just don't you you know like bring your own data store or whatever use your own database or something but it's not for lack of trust of what cloudflare is doing we have stuff in cloudflare that we put a decent amount of trust in i mean not like maybe like a thousand percent trust but we stick stuff in their kv that like is has never failed us Uh, which is neat. They have all kinds of storage stuff. It's funny, isn't it? You think of a chat transcript. You're like, where do you put it? Do you put it in the fancy Do storage? Do you, at one point, actually use KV? Because you could just pluck it all into the V part of a KV. Do you save it to a text file and use their R2? You know, they have. A, it's, they're starting to be a real cloud offering where it starts to be confusing. What the hell to even use? Well,
1: it's, you know, it's interesting because there's there's certainly a lot of types of applications where. You don't need the the structure and rigor that comes with you know traditional SQL or relationship database or even the NoSQL databases like you know a KV store I'm like I've got a key and I've got a value and I like and I just want to be able to store a bajillion of those. Um, that works really well for a lot of stuff. Like you know one of our one of our workers is the uh, is the snapshots worker where we use the KV store to to basically keep track of what um, what the URLs for snapshot images are or for screenshot images are and like you, know, you and we have that for every pen and code pen um it's not a big fancy database it's just the KV store
0: yeah right not relational The Okay. And you've also done a little research into the cost of this. Cloudflare produced this product because they want to sell it to you for money, you know, just like every other company in the world's products. So they have a unique storage model for it thing. I think with workers it was unique because it's like they limit the t- execution time and such on them so strictly that's basically like how many times did it get hit that's how much money you owe but this is a little different because the almost because of the expectation of persistent connection and shit. they actually start a little timer
1: don't they and charge you yeah so they bill um there's sort of two two knobs that uh, that are dials that affect the billing for durable objects one is the the duration it's just how long your durable ob- object has been active and then the other one is the number of what they call requests but it requests can be a variety of things including a message across a website so- socket so um so they the, so the cost of a durable object is a, a is a product of both of those things and depending on how you use your your object one or the other may become the the most dominant factor um you know, that said, the costs are, you know, very reasonable. Like, like, it's, you know, pennies per millions of pick your, you know, pick your unit. Um, but in the, you know, the initial uh, sort of estimation that, that I've done for, for CodePen, you know, if we're running like 100,000 uh, collaboration sessions for, you know, hours on end, like those costs do add up. Um, and that's one of the things that we're going to have to really figure out as we move forward is what exactly, like. How exactly are users using the service? Where can we, you know, where can we mitigate the cost where they do kind of get out of, you know, if they get out of hand?
0: Yeah, right. It's one thing if it's like, are your users specifically doing things in your application that trigger an event? Like they hit the save button and the save button calls a worker once there's like a one-to-one right. between usage and like that's you're probably going to be favorable what's not so favorable is if like you i don't know redis wrote a set timeout for every 300 milliseconds and it calls so that way if your browsers you know your users just have the tab open it's it's hitting this worker not that you would ever write code like that but i'm thinking of some other technology we've played with that is chatty on our behalf in a way in that the just the way that it operates is like kind of hammering a durable object in a way that the user has no idea. They have they don't they're not yeah. At fault I mean, for how chatty know,
1: the thing is. Yeah, I mean we you know the 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 main uh, you know the main feature that we've been looking at this technology for at least what we started with is collaboration where we need to synchronize the documents or the files that users are looking at. And you know, in real time, so every keystroke ends up being uh, one or more messages, you know, in and out of these objects, potentially to you know, to however you know, multiply by however many people are actually connected to the to this uh, to these sessions.
0: So think of key keystroke at a time or more, which is just a lot of it's a lot. So we just have to watch that and make sure that it's an affordable technology uh, uh, too. Because a lot of times these cloud services, they the, you look at the the pricing and you're like, oh my, that's insanely cheap. How do you possibly do that? And then you get into real usage and you're like, yeah, that's actually you can tip the expensive ometer. <laughs>
1: pretty quick yeah well I mean we're gonna all have to type a little slower too just you know, <laughs> to <laughs> yeah let down company um, memo was, well so if I mean if we would one of the things that's that's sort of interesting about cloudflare and, and workers and and durable objects in general and this may be getting into the weeds but um I was reading up on just how that stuff is how they actually implement this and keep things so affordable and um one of the things that distinguishes Workers and durable objects is that they run in they don't run in like Docker containers, which is what I think a lot of us typically think of for kind of cloud virtualization stuff. Um, They're actually using uh, using JavaScript isolates, which are like really lightweight runtimes for JavaScript. So I don't know if people want to read up on that. It's it's an interesting read.
0: Yeah, that's I'm sure for speed and cost reasons on on their side and it like fits the zeitgeist. You're like, "Oh, a little JavaScript runtime in this guy. That's that's the hotness right now." Surely. Yeah. Par- partially the hotness because that's what they offer, but hey, you know, it's all cyclical. So what it, yeah, so uh, point being is what just because it offer it, it makes possible real time even though that's not the only use case we're saying, it also doesn't necessarily solve the you don't just get to like put a text area on a web page connected to in this through these technologies and say that you built Google
1: Docs, right? Because that's that doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. I mean there's a there's a lot more to it as you know as as we have discovered recently, like keeping keeping documents in sync is its own uh is its own challenge and its own own set of technologies. But for, you know, if you want to, if you want to connect some people and, and have them interact and, you know, play like tic-tac-toe or chess in real time, um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty small stack needed to do that these days. Um, and it didn't used to be that way, that's for sure. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty
0: cool. Well, hey, thanks for the tour here. Is there anything else you think of at the end here? I don't think we need to. I mostly just wanted to wet everybody's whistle on the kind of technologies we look at and evaluate and think about
1: and measure and things. No, I you know it's uh, I'm excited by it. I I wish I was you know better versed in in how Cloudflare actually has all this stuff implemented and you know and, and the full range of of use cases that they foresee for this stuff, but. You know, for what we're doing at CodePan and and you know and other other projects I've been working on, um, workers and durable objects are pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's must be hard for them because it seems like they innovate on the tech stuff a lot, but there's not exactly like repos sitting there of like five different applications you could build with it with the exact code or anything. You know, it's a little bit like you got to use your imagination and give it a shot. I might be short selling them a little bit. Maybe there's out there, but I don't seem to run across them very often uh okay thanks robert we'll talk to you again
1: soon all right guys bye take care